Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Witham. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Rawlings, joined today by Nadine Templer, where we're going to continue the conversation from last week. But before I let her talk, I just want to let you guys know, you don't have to worry. Kevin will be back next week. So until then, Nadine, hello and how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Oh, we're so excited. Just in case someone is listening for the first time, can you give me like a haiku about yourself? So that's a joke. uh, You don't have to do a haiku. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, uh, one, two, three, four, five syllables, right? (laughs) You're you're bad. You're bad. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself. I was serious about that. Okay, okay. Okay. So uh, I'm Nadine. Uh, I grew up in France, became a disciple Christian in London in 1983. And then spent, I've spent most of my life uh, in South Asia, a little bit in Europe, obviously, but mostly in South Asia, in India. And now we live in Nepal. Uh, My background, I grew up in France, as I said, as a non-believer. Uh, never went to church, never read the Bible. And so I was introduced to Jesus when I was 21 and totally fell in love with this amazing person and decided that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was follow him, try to imitate him. Everything he did made sense to me. Um, and I didn't have to be convinced. Once I met Jesus, I was sold. Um, and that was, you know, a long time ago, but I still feel exactly the same way today. Oh, I love it. Nadine, now people might know this. They might not. I don't know. I'm not going to assume anything, but in Nepal is the largest mountain in the world, right? Yes. Yes. Mount Everest is here. Mount Everest. And, uh, Nadine was telling me how she had hiked Mount Everest without oxygen all the way to the very top. (laughs) She didn't even have hiking sticks, just her bare hands and feet. No, I'm totally kidding. But you, you did mention that your husband and, and son, right? Yes. Yes. Are going to be doing one of the trails. Can you just brag on that for a second? I'll let you brag. Well, uh, my son is flying in this month. He's coming from Seattle and, uh, he and my husband are going to do the Everest Base Camp trek, which takes about two weeks. So, oh uh, and they're they're not just doing the basic trek; they're doing some side treks as well. And you know, I'll be praying for their safety while they do all of that. But no, they 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 love doing that stuff. So, do you enjoy that at all? I do, but shorter treks. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like the ones that take about 20 to 30 minutes. It's nice and leisurely. There's no, you know, it's not really hiking. It's just a nice stroll through the woods. That's my kind of trekking. <laughs> oh, and I really like the mountain climbing when there's like rocks that are different colors and they're specifically made for hand grips. I think they call them rock walls or something something like that where <laughs> you're not going to die and a lizard's not going to bite your hand. So I like I like the fake walls. I don't, you know, I've never tried rock climbing, but it seems like it would be really cool. So it'd be cool to tell people, right? At the very yeah, least. Yeah. Yeah, well and, and it's beautiful here. It's gorgeous. So you enjoy well, the views as well. Have you done anything with Mount Everest? Um, I've taken a small airplane that takes us around Mount Everest. So, yeah, I, I've seen it's it gotta pretty be close. Beautiful. It's amazing. It's, beautiful. it's amazing. Um, I mean, we always wanted to live here. So I'm really glad that we get to do that. It's an incredible blessing. This is my favorite place on earth by oh. a long stretch. And you had, you told me before that um <clears throat> there's you know people die obviously there's there's a yes. lot to that when they hike Everest but it's not necessarily because they're not good or strong climbers what tell me tell our audience about that i think that's so interesting well mount everest is so popular um that too many people want to climb it and so sometimes what happens is there's a traffic jam a bottleneck near the top and people have to wait in line in order to summit and while they wait um, they run out of oxygen. And so actually people die because of that silly reason. It's not that they mm. couldn't climb the mountain, it's that they run out of oxygen because they have to wait while dozens of people ahead of them are summiting. Isn't that crazy? So your husband and son are not going to be at risk for that, right? No, no, they're not going all the way to the top, no. Okay, good. Well, praise God for that. <laughs> Yes, um, which actually, um, I kind of want to segue now into if the current, the current, um, or the next generation picked you to be their representative to speak to us. Um, what would what would they tell you to say? Well, they told me what to say. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew this question was coming, and so I did ask. Um, you know, I work with youth and so I asked them and they told me a few things that I will relay right now. Um, okay. One of the things that they mentioned is they want to engage. They want, they want to engage, but they also would like for the older generation to engage with them. I think often there are assumptions made about, you know, the youth make assumptions about the older people, older people make assumptions about the youth. And I think in order to dispel all of that, I think engagement's really important and having courageous conversations, intentional conversations and initiating those conversations. Um, so I think that's one thing that they, they said that they, they want to see happen. They're eager for that. Uh, sometimes, you know, as older people, we think, oh, well, these young people, you know, they're, they're rebellious, they're, they don't know their Bible, they're this, they're that. And, but actually, a lot of those preconceptions are dispelled once you engage with youth, because I don't believe that's who the youth are. Uh, so I think healthy engagement is one thing. Another thing they said is 
mutual listening, uh, which mm. goes along with engagement. Uh, but really for us, I think the onus is on us, the older generation, to really listen to the youth and listen to their concerns, listen to the, why are so many young people leaving the church? Um, right. So they have the answers. They know why, because it's their friends who are leaving the church. So they know. And I think for us to actually really listen and by listening, I mean, like really listening, not just listening and then having an answer immediately, but actually taking the time to listen to what they think the impact is of church practices, for example, that have maybe been harmful to our youth. And they may be well-intentioned, but they may be harmful. And so listening um, to to the to that i think also listening to the issues that matter to young people these days you know uh issues of social justice uh issues of equity young people are very passionate uh they want an authentic faith uh they look to jesus as their model um really listening and not prejudge not assume that we know in advance and not to give the youth pat answers because a lot of our youth, they've grown up in the church. They know what we're going to say. They've heard it right. already. But really uh, letting the Holy Spirit guide us through these conversations and not feeling that we have to have an answer for everything. You know, I used to do that even with my own kids. I have five kids. Uh, four of them are adults now. And, you know, I used to feel that I had to have an answer for everything. And sometimes we don't need to have an answer. We just need to listen and let the Holy Spirit work. Um, and I think the youth are very comfortable with that. You know, um, another thing the youth told me, and I'm just going through this short list. I'm almost done here. But one sure, of the things sure, they sure. said also is they want more ownership. They want more agency. Uh, they want to be given things to do. They want to be given responsibilities. Um, I was talking to a young man recently and I was telling him my story of going to India when I was 24 years old and our whole team who came with us were all younger than us. And it was basically a bunch of 20 year olds. And as I was telling him my story, he started crying. And he said, you know, I wish I could do things like that, but I don't feel that the older generation entrusts us to do these kinds of things, the things you guys did when you were younger. So mm -hmm. I think they want more uh, ownership um, and for us to maybe take a risk with them, the way that we were given that chance when we were younger. Um, and they said, no, it doesn't have to be something big, like, you know, leading a mission team. It could be something smaller even within the local church, but more ownership. And the other thing they said, which you know, may surprise some of the older generation, but they're craving for mentoring. They're craving, mm. they want advice. They want to listen. They want to learn. But what they don't want is micromanagement. They don't right. want us to tell them what to do on every detail of their life. They want to be able to learn and make their own mistakes, but they do want mentoring. Um, my phone is ringing all the time and it's usually young people wanting advice, wanting mentoring. So um, 
they wanted me to say that that they, they they want mentoring they want to learn they respect the older generation which sometimes is not what the older generation think because of the way that young people can be very passionate about what they say i think as the older people we have to look beyond that we have to look through that and try to really hear what they're trying to say when you're talking about the youth what ages does this encompass Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, when I'm talking about youth, it goes from obviously teenagers, older teens, all the way to 35, I would say. Um, because a lot of the young people who are leaving our churches right now are not the teenagers. They mm-hmm. tend to be the 25, 28, 30 year olds who have grown up in the church They've done everything that they were expected to do. And then they turn 25. And one of them told me it's like a quarter life crisis. Um, <laughs> they, they, they look back and they realize, wait a minute, you know, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And then they have questions. And, and right now the world is in turmoil. I mean, there's so much happening. 2020 was a game changer. It was a time of reckoning. And it's given the youth a time to think and examine their faith. And now they're asking questions. And, uh, you know, we have to be ready for those questions. So by youth, I don't mean necessarily, you know, teenagers. Right, right. Um, so with that being said, you are we, we are seeing uh, a huge exodus of this age group leaving the church and I do think like like you said a lot of it is just I don't know what the heck I believe right um Mm -hmm. do you know of any resources that you would recommend for people to look into if they have questions that they're just not finding answers with google oh (laughs) you mean for young people right well again I think going to the elders, going Mm. to the older generation. I think we have the experience. We've made a lot of the same mistakes. We were their age. And um, again, I think a healthy interaction, real dialogue. I think that, you know, the older people will be able to guide the youth to the resources, to um, to the answers that they're looking for. But it needs to be done in a way that is respectful. Um, and again, not assuming, not prejudging, um, mm-hmm. but really actively listening. Um, so there are, there are great uh, resources. You know, my friend Michael Burns has done a, a bunch of really helpful podcasts on the um, this intergenerational gap. Uh, he explains it very well. Um, but I think just really courageous conversations. For sure. Do you see similarities between what's happened between the Church of Christ and what is now the International uh, Churches of Christ uh, roughly 30 to 40 years ago? Yes, of course. And many of us have talked about that. Um, The ironic thing is that 
the older generation now who sometimes are having a hard time with the youth um, are the same people who were the youth 40 years ago. <laughs> and so, you know, history as a way of repeating itself, um, you know, where the older generation feels under attack and, uh, you know, threatened maybe or intimidated by the youth and they right. don't know how to talk to them. And, you know, they, there's a lot of fear, I think, in the older generation about, oh, what's going to happen, you know, and and then the young people feeling very passionate about wanting to see change. And, and I think the mistake that we made 40 years ago is we drew lines in the sand and we parted ways. And I think at this point right now, that's not what anyone wants. Uh, I see a lot of desire from all sides for, you know, let, let's work together. Let's try and let's try and figure this out. And the youth do not want a split. They do not want to separate. Uh, I know that for a fact. They're working really hard at having those conversations. We're in danger of repeating history, absolutely. But I don't think that's the intention right now. That don't, I don't think that that's what anyone wants. And prayerfully, you know, having learned from our mistakes 40 years ago, we will be able to navigate this present environment a lot better. What do you see as some pra- as some uh, practical ways if we want to reach the next generation for Jesus? What what are some ways that we can do that? Well, again, you know, with I know you said that I'm sorry. I know you yeah. said like the mentoring and stuff, but how can people start those conversations? I think is really right. the question. Well, you know, there are young people in our congregations. Um, go to them, say, hey, you know, let's hang out. Let's talk. Um, I want to hear what you have to say. What do you think? And not being afraid of asking the hard questions. You know, what do you think of our church? What are some things you think we can do better? Um, if you were, you know, in my shoes, what would you do? You know, and just asking those conversations and not being afraid of hearing the answers. Um, I think also for us as older people, Try to stay current, you know, read the mm. news, try and st- be in tune with what the youth are reading and listening to and watching. And, you know, um, don't vilify social media, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, social media is great. I love social media. I'm on it all the time. I have a Snapchat account. I have Instagram. I have TikTok. I have all of that. Why do I do that? It's because I want to know, I want to listen, I want to try and understand what these young people are thinking and feeling and experiences, my own children, I want to know. So I think instead of, you know, I've heard so many sermons about how social media is evil, please don't do that. Um, Instead, be on social media and learn and listen. We're not going to get rid of it. It's there to stay. So we might just as well work with it. Um, so that's another, you know, practical thing that I think would be helpful. And just be aware of what young people's concerns are. You know, the discussion mm-hmm. on, you know, the racial issues, uh, the women's role, the LGBTQIA plus uh, community, uh, you know, 
find out, learn, be a learner, be, you know, ask questions. Uh, don't just dismiss all of this stuff as worldly. Um, try to understand. Absolutely. Do you see differences between the youth where you are versus the West? Yes and no. I think in many ways they are more similar now than 30 years ago uh, because of the internet, social media, people travel more. Um, so you could take a young person from Nepal and, you know, put them in the US or in Europe and they would do just fine, you know, uh, because young people are very, very adaptable now. So in that sense, it's similar. In other ways, they're different. Um, I think young people here are, again, it's the sense of community that I talked about on the previous podcast. They hang out in groups, but they're less cliquey. You know, they, they tend to really um, help one another and support one another. And I see the the youth in general in this part of the world, I think they're happier. You know, they there's a lot less uh, mental health issues here. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, they seem to be more content. Uh, I, you know, this is probably a topic for another podcast, but, you know, the impact of materialism um, on our societies, you know, when people have less materially, I mean, they tend to be happier. And of course, I'm not advocating, you know, for people to live in poverty, but, right. you know, just, just a simple life. Uh, young people seem to be a lot more joyful and content here. And I think the sense of family, you know, uh, families are a lot closer. The family units are stronger in general in this part of the world. Uh, neighbors look out for one another. Uh, I mean, I've spoken about all of that before, but I think that really helps the youth. Hmm. Absolutely. And so you would just, just to kind of recap everything we've talked about, if we really want to reach the youth, essentially we just need to let them be heard. Let well, them be involved. That's the first step. Yes. And of course, as we listen to them and engage with them, then we will be able to have influence on them. Mm. But if we miss that first step, then it won't work. Um, I've seen some studies um, and I've, I've had these conversations. It's really interesting. They say, you know, you can have the answers to youth's questions, but if you don't have the relationship with them, it's irrelevant. That's However, right. if you have the relationship with them, but you don't have the answers, but you say something like, I don't know, but I can find out. Yes. That doesn't scare them off. That's like, right. They're okay with that. Um, it's the big focus in relating to youth and, and to um, keeping them in the church, essentially, is is just having a relationship. I'm 30, so I'm kind of in the what you're classifying as youth and I can speak to everything she said is so accurate. It's that's absolutely right. Um I don't necessarily want to walk into a church and change everything they're doing and then listen to every single idea I have, but I do want to have conversations and I want to feel like I'm 
part of the church. Um, and I think we do that by having conversation, by communicating, by um, just sitting down and being invested in. Um, lo- I longed for mentors and I asked multiple women and they all told me no. Um, either they were too busy or they didn't feel like they knew scripture adequately. And I had to explain to them, I have a master's degree in theology and biblical studies. I don't need you to teach it to me. I need you to teach me the wisdom side of stuff. How, how do I, you know, handle a fight with my husband? How do I apologize without him? Like, you know, things like that, like the everyday stuff. That's what people are longing for the younger generations. Um, so I don't know if that's encouraging or not. I don't think you have to have all the answers or anything. I think you just have to be willing to be a friend. Wouldn't right. you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And our young people are very smart. You know, I think one of the things we've done really, really well is we have raised a new generation of very spiritual, very smart, very kind young people. Um, and I think sometimes we are intimidated by them or we feel threatened by them when actually, you know, I think we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit here. And, you know, one thing we've done well is we've taught them to ask questions. We've taught them to be like the Bereans. And that's a good thing. And now that they're coming to us with questions, we shouldn't be surprised. That's how we train them. So, mm, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah, I think we need to have a lot more faith in one another and assume the best um, and work together. Mm. Um, Do you have any last thoughts for our listeners about the youth today? And what do you see in their eyes and hearts? I think they're wonderful. They're great. I love the youth. I love working with them. I am passionate about it. Um, This is an amazing generation of young people. And um, as I said, they're smart. They love God. They want to do right. They love the church. They want to build the church. When they ask questions, they're not trying to be difficult or rebellious. They're actually trying to build the church. Um, And I think, you know, looking at our youth with love and compassion and empathy and, you know, and wanting the best for them, which I know that's what we, we do want. But I think in the moment, sometimes we can react and, you know, be on the defensive. I think loving them enough to believe in them and um, to help them, to serve them, to listen to them. Uh, They're amazing. Um, They're incredible. I mean, I'm at the point in my life now, I'm turning 60 this year, where I'm ready to follow the youth. I mean, I'm I'm here, you know. uh, I think they're amazing leaders. I love that. Hey, listen, before we go, one of the things we like to ask people before they uh, finish, before the conversation finishes is, um, as you know, unity starts with a cup of coffee is the slogan for the Common Grounds (laughs) Unity uh, movement. So my question for you is, how do you take your coffee? I take it very, very, very strong um, and, <laughs> and a lot of it. I put a little bit of milk in it or uh, or not. I don't put sugar in it, um, but strong. It has to be incredibly strong. And I drink a lot of it. Hey, I'm French, so 
you know. <laughs> oh, Nadine, this has been just a joy. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in. And make sure to come back, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time on the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.